Hi friends, I have a question for you. What is the most memorable journey you've ever been on? I've had the privilege of going on a few trips in my time and I have some vivid memories of different moments. I remember being in the middle of South Africa on a bus uh, and as I gazed out of the window, I suddenly saw a tire rolling past the bus, uh, flying off the road into a field. The next thing I knew, the bus lurched to one side and came to a screeching halt. We were all fine, but it was very memorable. I remember sitting on a curb in Canada with my godfather, chatting to the homeless men and women who we'd just bought ice cream for. I remember sunsets, rain, fear, freedom, but I also remember other journeys. I remember walking to the phone box that I called my parents from to get my GCSE results. Yes, I'm young enough to have done GCSEs and old enough not to have had a mobile phone to call from. I remember walking into the church at my grandfather's funeral. I remember getting on the 70 bus to get to the hospital in Acton with Carrie, who was having contractions uh, just before Freya was born. We all have many journeys uh, that we remember. And today we have the last instalment of our series, Fuel, which has tracked the pioneer journey of Paul and the other apostles in the book of Acts. You know, Acts is like a roller coaster of journeys that gives us a grandstand view of the exponential spread of the good news of Jesus and the expansion of the early church 2000 years ago. We found the narrative zooming us in and out of uh, specific events and people, places, encounters and journeys that the early Christians went on. You know, packed full of miracles, healings, people experiencing the Holy Spirit and being fueled in turn to plant church, serve the marginalised, witness the truth of Jesus Christ. In fact, Luke, the writer of Acts, uh, and the Gospel of Luke starts the whole journey of Jesus uh, with Jesus standing up in a local synagogue and reading out uh, this from the Isaiah scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is what we see happening throughout Luke and Acts, the coming true of what Jesus has said would happen. So the book of Acts starts with the ascension of Jesus and then the coming of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost. And you might remember that we started our series by diving into the way God fuels our faith, how he did then for those early Christians and confirming that he does the same for us today. He calls us to have faith in him because he is faithful. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The pioneer story in the book of Acts is a story to raise our faith and a story that could not have happened without God inspiring uh, risk and bravery of those faithful men and women. We then arrived at the beautiful gate. Peter and John were centre stage showing us what it meant to imitate Jesus as disciples and to be ready for these gates of encounter that we too might step into each day. Opportunities where we are equipped, called and given authority to see the kingdom of God. We saw how God gives us fuel for courageous living 
where we might pray and ask God for the boldness to live for him like the disciples did. Then we, uh, that they were fueled to speak. Uh, we saw that, that the example of Stephen, the first Christian martyr in Acts chapter 7, Philippa reminded us then of, of 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. Then as we journeyed on, we found that the story of the church in Acts was one of being called, chosen and changed as they were fueled to lead in mission. They were fueled to listen to God and the world uh, and for new church and waves of new people in new places doing church in new ways swelled. Yet like a tide, this movement rose from Jerusalem. We saw in Acts 16 the call to invite people in, into our homes and our household, into our circle. Now, this is a response to Jesus. And, and for Lydia, as she said yes to the good news that Jesus died for her, she invited Paul, Timothy and Luke into her home and a new church was born there. The church in Lydia's house. Now, are you still with me? Okay, let's carry on. We then zoom in on Paul at the Areopagus in Athens, engaging with culture and the debates of the world around him and boldly declaring, there is a God and he has a name and his name is Jesus. And the fuel of Jesus is the lifeblood of our faith and the very essence of the church. Jesus is not just a good idea we looked at or a good ethic. He is the one who claims to be God incarnate and who gave his life so that we might live. There is power in the name of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit fuels us to call Jesus Lord and to name him above every other name, the highest power, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Now, what do you need to lay down at the feet of Jesus as we start this autumn. As we come to our final exploration in this fuel series, this life that filled these people who never before had access to God in this way, this, this final summary piece is fuel, the fuel of the kingdom of God. Now, the last eight chapters of Acts follow Paul back to Jerusalem and then on to Rome. And for most of this time, he's under house arrest and in, in chains, having long periods of isolation. You know, no doubt, thanks to which we have the many letters uh, to the early church in the rest of the New Testament. But then, as well as that, there are these occasions, these beautiful gates, where his, he is rolled out to tell his story to ruling officials and the powerful of the Roman world. All this time, there is a plot to have him murdered, but the very thing that people want to kill him over is the very thing he articulates again and again. This is all because of Jesus, who is at the right hand of the Father and who, along with the Holy Spirit, is God himself revealed for all to see. The very last verse of Acts in 28:31 uh, says, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Paul not only had reached the place he wanted to get, but he was carrying on. He continued to speak and teach and unpack the kingdom of God and who Jesus was, what he had done, 
who he still was, alive and well, with all boldness and without hindrance. So the kingdom of God is, is the summary piece here of all the work and life that's been going on. You know, the, the radical shared life of the church, rich and poor sharing possessions, taking the lonely into families, caring for the marginalised, healing the sick, delivering people from evil, challenging the status quo by answering to a higher call, receiving forgiveness, the name of Jesus being spoken and lived out in community after community after community. This is the kingdom visible. Paul tells us in one of his letters But the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom is fueled by power. The power of God over sin, sickness, death, demons, nature. This is God's shalom vision, his justice coming. The era of the favour of the Lord. Yet one of the simplest definitions of the kingdom is in the prayer that Jesus gave us to pray as disciples. Thy kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Now the kingdom is the will of God done on earth, as in heaven. It's the sovereign rule of God. But this is not a straightforward sovereignty where God says, and we do, where he is in control of every detail. God has tenderly and reverently opened up his sovereignty to allow us to make our own choices. At the very beginning, he makes us not to do as he says out of obligation or force. He creates us out of love to walk with him in a relationship where we might rule and reign with him. He gives away authority so that we might truly live. And he so loves the world that he sends his only son that all might believe through him and have eternal life, the life of the kingdom. Now the kingdom of God is is breaking into the cosmos. Everything was broken by evil and the resulting broken choices, it's fueled amongst us, but there is hope. There is faith. There is fuel for courage to be taken because we are able to live with the fuel of God's kingdom. So what are you fueled by? Now, what choices can you make today to invite God's kingdom to come in your own life, your block, your street, your workplace? Now, Paul, Paul dies in Rome, but we don't find this out from Acts. Despite Paul being one of the main characters throughout this epic uh, that Luke, who wrote the book, uh, we know that Luke doesn't want to finish the book by focusing on Paul. Luke has the kingdom and Jesus, its king, firmly in his sights. But the book is open-ended. It's like a commission is there, but then it doesn't quite appear. Each of the other gospel writers finishes their book with a climactic commission. Matthew and his great commission, therefore go and make disciples of all tribes. Mark, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And John finishes with the commissioning of Peter, the rock upon which the church is built, and he comes the closest to this open-endedness. Jesus reinstates Peter and then says, follow me, as if the next journey was just about to start. And it was. Luke maps out that journey that has shaped and still shapes the world we live in today. The journey of Peter and the disciples following Jesus wherever they sensed he was leading them by the fuel of the Holy Spirit. And so Luke leaves Acts open-ended. 
resting Jesus' kingdom authority and call onto our own hearts so that we too might hear afresh the very voice of Jesus saying to us, come, follow me. Now, before we finish this kind of summary at the end of our series today, I want us to just pay attention to the tension in all of this. You know, we talk about the kingdom of God as now and not yet, and this is a helpful theological key in the times that we live in. You know, God promises that there will be a day when the kingdom is fully here, in the new heaven and the new earth, where there will be no more tears, no more of the horror of death. And we know that Jesus announces the kingdom breaking in. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is here, says Jesus. But this means that there's a gap. In the not yet, we stare into the face of death and human suffering. You know, we weep as Jesus wept. We go through trials. And the final account of Paul uh, bears witness to a life that is fueled not just for the good times, but for the bad times. You know, the storms, the shipwrecks, violent times, painful times, times of mourning and confusion and grief. You know, for Paul, this seemed to sharpen his seeking uh, to be fueled for the kingdom. He looks at what's going on and, and seeks the kingdom of Jesus still. The storm does not take away the authority which Jesus has given him. You know, we don't know if Paul wrote this, but the writer of Hebrews says this. You know, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honour, right alongside God. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item. That long litany of hostility he ploughed through, that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Now we need the fuel of Jesus. We need his courage to speak, to listen, to seek the growth and maturing of our community, his church. To invite people in, to learn to lead in these unprecedented times. We need to make space to be filled by the Holy Spirit and the love of the Father and to seek the fuel of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, I want us to finish today and to finish this series by, by praying the Lord's Prayer together. We are in that open-ended moment of the story. Coronavirus is our major terrain to navigate now, but we need God's fuel and faith faith-filled wisdom for the times ahead. Uncertainty doesn't need to breed despair when we are with Jesus. His kingdom is here, and for its increase, he taught us to pray. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, and to do that, because it so encapsulates all the areas we need to ask for God's fueling, and it is the prayer that Jesus gave to his first disciples, and which each disciple, throughout the book of Acts, would have prayed as they worked out how to live their new life given to them 
by Jesus. Now the story isn't over yet. The mantle has been passed on to us. We are fueled for this mission, for this pioneering, for this story. God is calling us to pray and live out this prayer that we might be those who are kingdom seekers, disciples of Jesus, the church of Jesus Christ today. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours forever and ever. Amen.